0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Um, I am so excited about this morning. Um, What a great setup. Sin... Is really interesting. Our choices are really interesting, and that's basically what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you could do me a favor, um, grab your Bibles, paper, or otherwise, um, and turn with me to Romans chapter five. We're going to start in verse twelve. Last night we started with we started our time together with the conversation about how while born. In freedom, um, because of sin, mankind chooses to live freely. And the only way for us to go from living freely to truly living in freedom is by the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sins, paying for our sin once and for all. This, this, this morning, um, I, I want to talk about, continue to talk about how this free living shackles us this this free living the thing that we do and 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 we just do whatever we want we do whatever pleases us a couple of years ago gosh i'm getting old now but a couple of years ago there was there, there there was this saying that 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 was pervasive in popular media all around the world and and it was basically this if it feels good then do it and what they were trying to say was is whatever is good for you whatever makes you happy whatever Whatever fills you, go on and do that thing, and what we were left with was an entire generation of people, their entire motivator was their own self-gain, and it ended up shackling them with bad choices, much like the beginning of that drama described Jacob is suffering with. This morning, we're also going to talk about the curse of all humanity and how we can finally break free of this bondage, because although we've talked about the difficulty of sin, this is going to be the second time that we've talked about that during our time together, and that's really a heavy topic. The reason that we sing so loudly and we get so excited when we talk about Jesus is because we know that we have a hope. As awful as sin is, it's not totally defeated mankind, because we have a hope. So this morning, let's have a time of prayer together um, and then let's get into God's Word. I'm really excited about what we have. Let's, let's, let's go before our King. Lord, above and above all, God, we pray desperately this morning that your presence would be in this room. God, I pray that you would empty me of myself and allow me to preach totally in the Spirit. God, I pray that You, your words would be the words that are spoken. God, help give us a divine understanding of this text. God, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Cool. So, um, the idea that I want us to start with this evening is this idea. And that idea is is that all, all of humanity is bound by sin. All of humanity is bound by sin. And here's the thing that I want you to know as we continue in our time together is that the things that I say, I'm not just saying because I think that they sound cool. I'm not just saying because I think that they're awesome. Or even because I personally believe them. I do. But they come out of God's Word. Like God's Word is the centerpiece of our faith in Him. And I want you to know that Because I know that a lot of you have probably come into this weekend as skeptics. And a lot of you have probably come into this weekend really trying to find out what it is that you believe. And I love that. I love big questions. I love questions that are hard to answer. And I'm not afraid to say, I have no idea, but let me go find out. But the reason it's so important that we know that it comes from God's Word is because anybody can say anything they want, but you cannot change what God's Word says and we're going to be in the book of Romans the book of Romans was by, was by written by a guy named the apostle Paul and he is so much like myself he loves logic he loves working through these problems that he sees all around him logically and 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 what he does is is he uses arguments he uses arguments that you don't really need any proof for other than just taking a look around. So that means that even though this text was written thousands of years ago, we can look around us and still find these things to be true. How cool is that? So, that being said, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so... Death spread to all men because all sinned. All of humanity is bound by sin. You see, this story of sin started all the way back with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. You see, they had it good. They had everything they needed. They had everything they could have ever wanted. They had all of their needs provided for. They got to hang out with God, which was really cool. God gave them one law. One law that he did not want them to break. Everything else was fair game, and if they needed any help or advice from God on how to care for the animals he created, all they had to do was ask because he was right there. God gave them one law. And that law was, do not eat of the fruit of good and evil. Because if you do, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve, being free moral agents, decided that it was still a good idea to eat of that tree of good and evil. Yes, they were tempted. Yes, they were put in a difficult position. Yes, things were hard. But they still made that choice. And here's the thing when you are living your life and you're presented with a difficult choice, and you're tempted to do the wrong thing, and your circumstances are difficult, while me and your youth leader totally sympathize with you in that moment because that's really hard ultimately. When you make the wrong choice, that's still sin, and that that still has to be dealt with. And it's awful. And and when I'm talking to students and, and they're really going through something and they've done something maybe that they regret, my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for you. But at the end of the day, it's still sin. And as difficult as it was, because if you know the story, you know that Eve was tempted by the serpent and she was put in a really tough spot that she had to say no to and she didn't. And it was awful. And my heart kind of breaks for... I mean, like, we've all been there. We've been really tempted. Some of us have given in. That's a really hard spot to be in. So my heart breaks for her. But she still did it. And then Adam took and ate as well. Adam and Eve sinned. And then the world was cursed. Can you throw verse 12 up there? Oh, it's still up there. I love that. It says... Just as sin came into the world through one man, that one man being Adam, and death through sin. Death is a curse. The world was cursed. Everything was broken. And here is the most important part of this passage for us this morning. It says then, And so death, spread to all men because all men have sinned. I want you guys, if you don't hear anything else from me this morning, I want you to hear this from me. You and I are not victims of Adam and Eve's bad choices. You and I are victims of the sin that we chose to participate in. Adam and Eve absolutely created an atmosphere in which it was impossible for us to not sin, but you still, as a free moral agent, decided to take that choice and run with it. Whatever it is. And we're bound by that. And you know what I love about the logic of Paul here? He doesn't say because of this or because of that. He assumes that everybody reading this text understands that death spread because of sin because we see death all the time. I think everybody in this room knows someone that has passed. And if you don't, just go to history class because all of those dudes are gone. The very idea of death is something that is intimate to you And I, because we see it all around us. And what Paul is saying here is that that death that you all understand is caused by sin. Because death is a result of sin. You see, people would say that death is a natural part of the human condition. We are born, and then as soon as we are born, we begin the dying process our body grows and comes to accumulation of us being the fastest, the strongest, the healthiest. And then from that point on, we have a slow decline into being so unhealthy that our body gives up and we pass. People say that that is a normal part of the human condition. Well, what Paul is saying here and what Scripture tells us is that that's not the case. What it tells us is that death is in fact a result of the sin that was committed by Adam and Eve. And if you go back and you read the story of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, it tells you that very clearly. God says, I made you from dust, and to dust you shall return. Again, that is something that is proven by fact. They made a whole TV show about it. It's called Bones, all right? I don't recommend it. I tried rewatching season one. It was kind of weird. We return to dust. If you just bury somebody without any of the chemicals they inject into a body now, they eventually get to the point where they are unfindable. Death is a result of sin. But here, Paul has this thing that he likes to do when he writes his epistles. He doesn't, he doesn't just mean physical death. He means spiritual death as well. Throw Genesis 3.8 uh, up there for me again. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You see, when they sinned, they separated themselves from God. When we sin, we separate ourselves from God. When we live in sin, we separate ourselves from the creator that loves us. You see, death means two things. It absolutely means physical death. I don't want to be a downer, but every single one of us in this room unless Jesus comes to take us home before then, is going to experience physical death. It's just a reality. It's really hard. Death freaks a lot of us out, and it should. Like, no one should be running towards that end. But it's a reality that we're all going to experience. But he means spiritual as well, because Adam and Eve got to sit next to God and ask him how his day was, and he was able to pour into them and teach them how to live. Some of us are blessed with a really, really great relationship with our dad. Or some of us are blessed with a really, really great relationship with our mom. Me and my dad used to just not ever get along for the longest time. And it was really difficult for me to relate to him I had undiagnosed ADHD, and I was such a spaz, he did not like being and hanging out with me. And I would overwhelm him. He'll tell you, if you hey, hey, did you like Tim when he was a kid? He said, no, I loved him, but I did not like him. I loved him because I was required to by the Lord God, but I did not like him. And then there, there came this moment where my dad was able to understand where I was coming from, and there was this moment where I was able to understand where my dad was coming from, and, and, I'll, and I'll, never, I'll never forget it. He taught me how to drive. I took like my, my first, like I'm, I'm driving like with my actual driver's license in my back pocket. I'm, I'm, I'm driving my car. And he sent with me in the passenger seat and we drive up to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware together and he's showing me the houses that his dad used to own and they used to spend the summers in. And it was the most intimate, wonderful thing. And from then on, my dad taught me so much because our relationship was restored. Our relationship wasn't great and then it was restored. And here's the thing. Guys, because of sin, you are separated from your heavenly Father, but there is the ability to have a restoration there. But... because of sin, we are cursed to die. Not only are we cursed to die because of sin... But we're ruled by it. Death ruled man because of sin. What's really interesting is in verse 14, if you could throw that up on the screen for us, it says, Yet death reigned, if you're a person that likes to write in your Bible, underline reigned, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, that reigned... Death literally was a monarch that was over humanity because of sin. You see, America got to experience a monarch in a new way this year because Queen Elizabeth died. See, I kind of grew up thinking about that because we celebrated the queen's birthday every year, right? Now, Australians don't really like the queen. And if you ask them, like, I don't like her. But they're like, well, then why do you celebrate the queen's birthday? And then they'd get this, like, real anger in their eye, and they say, that is a paid day off from the government. Shut up. Don't mess with it. All right. But death was a ruler. Death was a ruler over humanity. Death being sin and destruction and a curse it was over everything. And what I find really interesting in this passage is that it rained from Adam to Moses. Adam to Moses, there was no law, but they were still sinning, which tells me, and it should tell us, that sin is a lot like the law today. Just because you don't necessarily know that it's against the law doesn't mean that if you do it, you get out scot-free. Even if this is your first time experiencing anything religious of any sort, I want to tell you that sin is simply an action that in your conscience, scars your conscience against being able to relate freely to God. Sin is when you go against the natural order that God designed into the universe. And you know it because you have a conscience. We all know it's an intrinsically bad idea to hit someone and what I find really interesting is that there are certain things that from the beginning of humanity all the way from the beginning, back when the first, like, human law was written, remember, an eye for an eye, you should have learned that in world history class. From then all the way till now, certain things have been against the law for all of humanity. We know what's wrong. The law gave us a clearer guide. And out of grace, it really allowed us to better relate to the Lord. But, we've known all along. And if you're in here, and this is the first time that you're really hearing a message like this, you've known all along. You've known that there's something wrong. See, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, What Paul is saying there is that Adam was given a direct instruction and he rejected that, but everybody after him continued to reject the authority of God by the way they were living, even though they didn't have a law. And death ruled over man because of sin. And here's the thing. The reason I love that imagery so much is because you can see that death as a curse is in charge of everything sometimes. It seems that way on this earth every bad thing that you see happening all around you can be traced back to sin. It's a really interesting exercise. One time someone asked me like hey Tim, how can you believe in God if like bad things happen to good people like how can you really say that there's like 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 there, there's an objective way to sin when like that kid only stole that apple because he needed to eat like what's the deal with that? And, and I said to him, I'm like, dude, like, look, look around you. And, and it was really interesting because as we were having this conversation, um, the town that our church was in was actually built by Sun Oil Company, or if you're a NASCAR fan, Sunoco. It was the major refinery for Sunoco. That refinery supplied all of the natural gas and jet fuel for Delta at the Philadelphia airport right up the road. So literally, we're driving through Pollution Central There actually, there was a a military testing, uh, a nuclear testing site from the military within walking distance of my house. They had like this little fence around it with all these signs like "Don't go in there." So anyway, we're driving up there, and he's telling me this, and I'm like, "Dude, everything can be traced back to sin." And he said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, like look around, like all this pollution around us, the fact that it's unsafe for us to eat vegetables we grow in the dirt in our backyard." That smell that we it always smelled like a gas station in that neighborhood. If the wind blew right off the water, it smelled like a gas station. All these fumes, all of this gross, this is from sin. Like, well, what do you mean? I said, dude, at some level, at some point, someone felt enough greed that they were okay ruining our neighborhood so that they can make money off of this oil. The kid that has to steal to get the apple. At some point, somewhere, someone felt enough greed where they designed some kind of system where it was impossible for the helpless child to be able to get free food. Further, somewhere, somehow, someone sinned and didn't do their responsibility as a parent to care for that child to make sure that that child got food. Think think about something that really just makes you angry in this world. Go up the food chain of who caused it, and you will eventually end up at somebody who made a decision that was self-serving so that they could get what they wanted instead of what everyone needed. It's sin. And because of the sin in our world, everything is broken and horrible and awful, Adam broke that law. Everyone between Adam and Moses continued to break laws. Everything was horrible. And then verse 15, like before we put verse 15 up there, this is kind of like heavy, isn't it? It can feel hopeless here, but verse 15 is where it gets good. But the free gift, the free gift is not like the trespass. The free gift is not like the stupid thing that Adam and Eve did. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, because so many people have died physically and spiritually, because what Adam did, if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and of the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. What that passage is saying is that even though that one sin had so much power that it put death in charge, cursed the world, broke everything, the thing that Jesus did by giving us this gift is so much more powerful It puts the Bristol stomp down on death as a ruler. That's nuts. That's so cool. If you're a Star Wars fan, you've seen this literally play out on the screen. The evil in that story is so pervasely powerful. Everyone that tries to come up against that evil dies because they are not as powerful as that evil. When something in the world is evil, it doesn't need something with the same level of power to defeat it. It needs something with more power to defeat it. And what this passage is promising us is that the power of Jesus Christ dying on that cross is so much more powerful than the thing that Adam brought into the world. Adam's work in the garden enslaved us to death, but Jesus' work on the cross left us redeemed. The cross left us redeemed. Can you throw verse 15 up on the screen for me again? I'm sorry. Can you go backwards to verse 15? This is so good. This is so good. This is so, so, so good. That saying that sin has destroyed people, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man. That one man is Jesus. Sin is destroyed. Jesus' death. Was more powerful than sin. The throne of death has been defeated. The throne of death has been defeated. The throne of death has been defeated. Throw, throw seventeen up there for us. This is in Romans chapter five, verse 17. We're just working through. Paul is making this really interesting argument he's creating an image for us he's comparing the one man adam to the humanity of jesus jesus was fully god and fully man but he he presented himself to us as a man when he was born here on this earth he's making a comparison between what adam did and and and, and what jesus did and and he's showing that these two forces good and evil are coming together in a battle arena and and good is winning And in verse 17, he says, For if one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. People, this is really, really important for you to understand. When you are born, you are born into death. You are in Adam. You are the direct lineage of Adam, which means that the curse of Adam lives in you and is over your life. There's nothing that you can do about it. It's just reality. You're born broken. If you don't believe me, try to not do anything objectively wrong for more than like a day. You can't do it. You think something you shouldn't. You say something you shouldn't. You're like, no, 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 Tim, I'm a really good person. Like I'm Zen. Like I really meditate and I really like do like whatever, whatever. That is so self-serving. That's not good. I, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about this because it's important for us to understand just how far we are for us to understand just how good Jesus is. So we are born into Adam but but this verse tells us about we can receive this free gift of righteousness, this free gift of sanctification, this free gift of redemption in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We access this life that is talked about in the end of verse 17 through faith. This comparison between Adam and Jesus here, we are born into the life of Adam. We are born into the family of Adam Did you know Adam is actually the word for humanity in Hebrew? We're born into that. There's nothing we can do to escape it. Just like you can't escape who your parents are, you can't escape who your grandparents are. Yes, you can disown them. Yes, you can run away from them. But at the end of the day, the blood still flows in your veins. We are born of Adam. We are born cursed. We are born with sin and it's awful, and it's destructive, and we're not just victims of it. We're purveyors of it. But through faith, we can access a righteousness. You see, that verse, I'm so sorry to do this to you guys. Throw verse 17 up there again for me. I want us to see this. We're born into Adam, right? And then it says that we can reign in life, not reign in death, We can reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So the question that we have to ask ourselves after reading verse 17 is, how can I go from being the son of Adam to being a son of the most high God? And you know what's so cool about this? Is that Jesus knows that we're not that bright sometimes, and he gives us a beautiful picture of this. If you've got your Bibles... I want you to turn over to John chapter 3. This is a wonderful example of this. John chapter 3. I want to tell you guys a story as we wrap it up here today, this morning. We access this life through faith. This is really, really important. John chapter 3, verse 6. You see, in this story, in John chapter 3, there's this religious guy named Nicodemus, and this dude is 100% smarter than your youth pastor could ever hope to be. This Nicodemus dude knows all there is to know. He can, he can we know, by tradition, recite the, like, the, the first couple of books of the Old Testament by memory. By memory, he can recite the Bible. That's nuts. He knows the law. He is, he is, he is a religious leader, and, and this is before being able to preach from an iPad, so the dude has memorized all of it. He knows all of it. He is the most religious of religious dudes. And he comes to Jesus in the dead of night, and he's having a conversation with Jesus because Jesus is saying some things and is doing some things that are rocking Nicodemus' world. Jesus is telling him, in verse three, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's interesting, that imagery, right? We're born into Adam, and then we need to go get into a new family. Well, how do you get into a family in the first place? You're born. Jesus is saying, you need to be born again, dude. And Nicodemus replies like, that's really weird. What are you talking about, Jesus? And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot reign in that life. And then in verse 6, which is what I ask you to turn to, it says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of Adam is cursed by sin. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That which is inside of you that is aching for a Redeemer, someone to rescue you from your sin, can be reborn in Spirit and be redeemed so that we can witness the face of the Almighty God because we have been made holy before Him, because our sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then this is what he says. This is what he says to the most learned man in town. He says this, Do not marvel at what I said to you. You must be born again. Jesus says to the most religious guy in town, You must be born again. If you want to reign in life, like verse 17 says, If you want to be free of the shackles of the bondage of sin that you were born into, your sin is an inheritance that you cannot escape. If you do want to escape it, you can't do it on your own. You need the power of Jesus Christ himself. And the way that you access that power is to be born again into a new family. When you accept Christ, you are born into the family of God. You access that by faith Scripture says that if you want to accept Jesus, you need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And the moment you do that, Scripture tells us that your heart is born again. Your eyes are opened. It's not this weird, hyper-crazy, weird spiritual thing either. Like no one's going to fall out on the floor and start shaking, okay? Like some people are worried about that. That's not what happens. It's simply this really loving moment between you and your Creator where your Creator says, I love you. You're forgiven. And then all that guilt we talked about, we can lay at the cross of Jesus and he's like, cool, I got that handled. Now go and do what I've called you to do. Go live in freedom instead of living freely. Go do what I've called you to do and designed you to do without the bondage of sin. Let me take your cares and your guilts and go live and do what you've been called to do. Go live in joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. Go and be who you're meant to be. If you want that, and you don't have that, this is what I need you to do. We're gonna, go to, we're gonna go to small groups here in like 30 seconds. All right? This is what I want you to do. If you don't have that, if you're, if you're looking me in my eye and you're like, Tim, I'm currently living in death and I want to live in life. Or Tim, you've said some things that are interesting and I need more information. This is what I want you to do. Are you ready? you got to promise me you're going to do this. On the way out, I want you to tap your leader on the shoulder and I want you to give him a look. All right? I don't want it to be this big thing. I'm not telling you to come up here and write on cards or anything. Like, I'm not, like, none of that. I want you to look at your leader. I want you to tap him on the shoulder and I don't want you to be weird about it because this is a serious thing. I want you to tap him on the shoulder, give him a look, and leaders... Write that name down mentally. You need to have a conversation with that student. And student, if you do that, prepare yourself to tell them and let, let's have the conversation. Like, I'm, I don't... You can come and talk to me. That's great, but I'm not going to probably ever see you again. Your leader is the one who's doing life with you. They're going to be there who to support you when life gets difficult. They're going to be there to point you back to Christ when things are hard. They're going to shelter you and spiritually... Um, I mentor you and help you and love you. And it's not that I don't love you. It's just that I don't have access. I mean, like some of y'all are live like 10 hours away from where I live. So yes, I would love to have that conversation with you, but have that conversation with your leader because your leader does life with you. So remember, we're going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, we're all going to stand. We're going to go to our meeting places. And on our way there, if you need to have a conversation with your leader because you need to know more about this Jesus thing, tap him on the shoulder, give him a look, maybe say, hey, I want to talk to you later. And leaders, make sure you make that time. We good? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are, and thank you for giving us your love. Thank you for giving us what you have given us. Lord, thank you for killing death once and for all. Thank you for coming back to life and living we serve a living God. We serve a living Jesus who died for our sins but rose again on the third day, defeating death, defeating the grave. God, thank you for that. God, I pray that you would give courage to the students to tap their leaders. And God, I pray that you give leaders wisdom to speak into those students' lives. God, I pray people would come to know who you are because of today. We love you. We need you. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.